Hey there, you are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, Trisha, your joyologist. In this podcast, I have conversations every week with someone I'm inspired and intrigued by, talking about their story, the good, the bad, all of it, how they get through their day to day and make the most of it. This is all in hopes to inspire you to get out of your own way, to see that it's up to you to claim your life, to claim your joy, to claim your dreams, to claim your vision, all of it. In today's episode, I talk to Danica Breisha. She's amazing. She's a plus size or curve model. She's the founder and CEO of this awesome meal delivery system with like the highest quality ingredients. It's so good called Model Meals. She's a self-care coach and she created a tour when she went all around the country last year leading these workshops on teaching people how to implement self-care in their life and what that looks like for them and to allow them the space to dream. We had a great conversation. I am going to forewarn you, there's a spot in the conversation where we get into labels, titles, privilege, that sort of conversation. And because Danica had just experienced a a comment the day before on her social media feed, that let her feel a little bit ruffled. And so if you at all get triggered by that conversation, please don't stop listening, but keep listening because even though there can be some flare-ups, then I think the way that we talk about it is just sort of being like, hey, the way to for all of us to grow is to have more awareness. And so that leads to more communication and also looking at the awareness of your own life. So anyway, that's just a part of the conversation, but letting you know. So here we go. Hi. Hi. So I'm going to start with how did your journey with wellness, nutrition, Food. Do you remember where that started? We're just going there, aren't we? We're jumping right in. Right in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, of course. I do remember. Um, I spent a lot of my life struggling with food. I grew up in diet culture and I was always a bigger girl. Um, I'm five foot 10 and I'm a size 14. I've been a size 14 for a very long time. And I, so I spent a lot of my middle school, high school, college years dieting. And um, I went on my first, like, I probably had my first big weight loss when I did Atkins as a junior in high school, lost like 40 pounds. All of a sudden the guys liked me and I was getting all these compliments. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm the same person I've always been. Why are people treating me differently? And I got addicted to my worth being based on my beauty and especially my body size. And so dieting became this power for me. And I, I developed a really unhealthy relationship with food on top of the fact that I think food has always been my comfort. So food has always been the thing that, yeah. you know, I wasn't, we didn't talk about emotions a ton as kids as in my family. And and just, I think at that time in our culture, it wasn't necessarily, people weren't so open yeah. about therapy no. and those sorts of things. And uh, so for me, when I think when feelings came up that I thought I shouldn't have or shouldn't feel like sadness and anger and all that sort of stuff, I pushed it down with food. So food became my drug. And then it also became this tool for my enoughness. I'm going to st- go back already to like, cause I same way dieting high school. Like I, for me, what started me on that path was that when I think I was in fourth grade, my sister calling me fat, Mm. which I have never been the skinny girl, but I also was never really like fat, but like I've always had more, more meat on my bones, I guess. Extra meat. So that was like my thing that kept it. So like you said, you started dieting, you remember dieting and you, the weight loss, you got that recognition, but do you remember what made you 
even think I need to try these diets or go do Atkins or anything. Yeah, I think I think for the most part it was the media. I mean, I had a few incidents of teasing growing up, but I wasn't teased too badly. I was a pretty like nice kid. I was always super and I think I used niceness and keeping everyone happy to protect myself from being teased about those things. So like those were my deepest insecurities. So like you felt you were aware that you might have been yeah, larger yeah. than some other girls, but you weren't teased about it. Mainly, I was teased like a, I had like a kid in fifth grade call me fat girl. And then I remember in high school, I had some guys drive by and say like, go back to the beach whale. I was like you wearing a bathing suit drive at riding my bike in ninth grade. So I had a couple moments like that. Um, but more so, I think it was the media. You know, I didn't see yeah. anyone who looked like me in the media. And when I would go to like Abercrombie and Fitch kids, they didn't have my size. You know, mm. I was buying the, the oh. biggest size in most clothing and most adult clothing yeah. brands. And so so, so I think just for me, I, I didn't see myself represented as beautiful. And uh, fortunately, I think the media has changed a lot. And now I get to play as a model, I get to play that role and be the girl I didn't get to see, which I'm grateful for. But at that time, I just didn't, I wasn't represented. No, totally. I was obsessed with the super mod, like the Linda, that was like the yes. Linda, Evan- I don't even know for the same age, but I'm like, I back super then was like thin. the yeah. Linda Evangelista, like mo- that was like super model worship yeah. back Wave. then. And like, yeah. So same thing. Like I had that and like direct my sister calling me fat, which like, I'm not blaming anything on you, Kara. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, that's my point of reference. You're not an evil person. Like people You're say sister, things. You're a sister. That's what but, people like, do. <laughs> Yeah. But um but yeah, same thing. Like of course, like media and that we have to be like thinner and I yeah, I, and I uh I remember going like senior trip in high school. We got all like graduated and went to Florida. And so like to uh, my mom was into diet, was very into dieting, never happy with her weight was my opinion growing up mm-hmm. so she was like well trisha why don't we try atkins which i didn't like like meat and cheese and yeah. she was like ranch dressing and everything and everything i was like that looks disgusting to me like those aren't even foods <laughs> that i like but i tried it and i like lost i don't know it wasn't as much as you you know yeah. but, like i lost it to a weight that i was like i was in florida happy in my bikini yeah, and so totally. like and i tried to keep it up though and it was like <laughs> for me it was like disgusting you know Oh, I think what's in my mom, like your breath, my breath smelled terrible really? in that way. So I was like, I knew like there is something wrong. Something doesn't, your body doesn't this respond is well. Not right. Like, thanks for me losing those 10 pounds, but this is in a way I feel like I can move forward in life. And I feel disgusting. Well, my ro- my body tends to respond pretty well to that sort of um, thing. I don't diet anymore, but to that sort of lower carb paleo lifestyle. But what I was going to say is, don't you think, I think the main issue is the fact that we, so many of us say, oh, I got called fat as a kid. I got whatever. But shouldn't the, the number one issue be tr- teaching kids and retraining culture that f- being fat is not a bad thing? That has yeah. nothing to do with your worth. And so, so many of us are like, oh, I was called fat and I wasn't really fat. But so what, even if you were, right? Why does it, it it's yeah. not a worth thing. It has nothing to do with like, yeah, who the fuck cares? Whatever exactly. that size was. Exactly. I was an amazing human as a kid. You were an amazing human right. as a kid. What, before the 40 pounds, after yeah. the 40 pounds, before I was confident in my bathing suit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such- It did though. It gave me that fucking confidence. Yeah. I know. That's good. So it does then become addictive. Because it's foundational. We're taught when we're so young that this is good and this is bad. And and with body size, like what we need to do is retrain that nothing physical has anything to do with someone's worth or goodness. It's just because they are that yeah. we are, that we're worthy. Yes. So, and I'm hoping that these days it is 
shifting because like you said there is so much more out there uh, with different shapes of bodies in the media and welcoming there's like movie stars and tv stars that are of different shapes there's so much up there so I hope that it is shifting okay back to your story (laughs) yeah so I mean I was I did that I lost a bunch of weight I got addicted to it and then when the weight started coming back on I had to find other ways so I started throwing up and I was severely bulimic throwing up like seven or (sighs) seven or eight times a day I remember I actually was a homecoming queen and I remember that night just before I went out and won, I had like, you know, binge ate and thrown everything up in my bathroom at my house and then put on my little white dress. Not little. I was never quite little, but uh, (laughs) my white dress. And, uh, and I went out on the, I went out and won homecoming queen. It was like living this sort of secret life. Um, And then after that, I uh, had a lot of In that, you're homecoming queen, you're throwing up to be a smaller version of yourself but even in that version of yourself did you feel like i'm comfortable in my own skin i'm at the my ideal weight no, or whatever no, that was that you were searching for, for me it was always because i was like you've got homecoming queen that's my, pretty like no you know you never i don't think anyone ever gets to the goal and is like i did it we're such creatures of what's next so no but i i think my my what's something to mention is i decided when i was in probably like 14 that if i could be a model i would be happy and i was tall enough and maybe if i could just lose the weight that I could do it. And no one ever tells you that there's different body types and bone sizes and that sort of stuff. So I just assumed that I could lose the weight and get down to a size zero or two and my body could do that. And that's just, it's just my own lack of willpower. And so becoming a model became my mission in life. So that's all I cared about. My life's purpose and my passion was weight loss and becoming a model. And so when I, I, you know, been throwing up for a while, I had a lot of dental issues and then I found cocaine and I was doing a bunch of cocaine um, and got into drinking. How old were you at this point? In I was high about school 18. Or okay. Yeah. So it was like right after high school, between high school and college. Um, and I was working at in and out Burger, which was great. I love that job. Still love that job. Um, <laughs> and working the drive through window, uh, bringing bottles of vodka and chugging them in like the dressing room, oh. like, you know, the bathroom before work. Um, and then I went away to school in Colorado and um, through my, you know, college was, I partied a lot. I, I made a commitment to not use drugs and for the most part didn't. Um, but I partied and I was stuck in that diet binge cycle. I was always either on a diet or I was off the deep end. Eating. I'm like exhausted because I, re- I'm like exhausted listening to the yeah. story, but I'm like, I, re- I yep. remember. Yep. <laughs> and that was all of college. And then I moved to call, I moved to uh, Los Angeles after college. And I, um, I remember seeing an episode of Oprah with the, a woman named Janine Roth. And she had a book called women, food and God. And her whole thing was that she actually ended up losing the weight she'd been wanting to lose for so long when she surrendered this obsession with dieting and losing weight. And so for me, I was like, well, if if I can lose weight in an easier way, I'm exhausted from all the dieting. Why not try it? And so I kind of surrendered for the first time in my life and and started eating what I wanted. Did you then like read her book or just seeing that? Okay. You read the book and you were like, I'm going to try this. I'm guessing that felt scary or were you just so exhausted? You, okay. I was terrified that I was going to gain all this weight without my food rules. And I didn't. I actually didn't. I didn't lose weight. I didn't gain weight. I just stayed exactly the even, same. Wow. Even at the start of this, you didn't? No. Not that I, I remember. When I, I had a moment myself later, because like, my wellness journey came then from healing myself because of something I was diagnosed with. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was 18. So that's how I started to learn about wellness and stuff. But then I still had some like underlying, like, but we don't eat potatoes. We don't eat French fries. We don't eat fried foods. You know, like I was eight good things because they made me feel good. And then I had these rules. We don't eat donuts. We don't like 
we meaning myself yeah <laughs> myself and the other versions that live inside me i guess i don't know why i'm saying we <laughs> that i you know didn't realize and i had this aha moment I was about to get ready. I was on tour for a long time and I knew this tour was ending at a certain point. And I, after a tour, I came to know I needed space and yeah. t- downtime. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what's happening on this tour. And the artist I'm working with is going back, you know, like won't need me because they're not going to be on that tour. So I'm going to go to India and you can get a six month visa. So I'm going to go to India for six months. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to write my book. I was so excited about India, but I had no actual plans for India. It was basically like, I'm escaping. Yes. The weeks before leading up to, I sold everything. I was living with someone. Oh the weeks God. leading up to India, I was living with one of my best friends in the interim. And we were like, we're having pizza. I, gluten was something that, that triggers my fibromyalgia. Yeah. So like I was gluten-free, but yeah. would go through different vegan, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Like we're having pizza, gluten-free vegan pizza. We're having grilled cheese. We're like, I was living it up. Like let me have potato chips. And I was like, wow. And in my mind, it was because, oh, I'm allowed to have these things because I'm going to go in India. And in my mind, in India, there's only Indian food. Right. (laughs) Right. So I'm allowed (laughs) to eat all these things right now. Yes. Because I'm not going to have them there. (laughs) And like, I went to India. It was not the answer to my problems. I got very sick, came home after like three weeks. I realized (laughs) I wasn't, (laughs) I realized I was running away to India because I didn't want to say yes to Mm. anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So anyway, so I ended up coming back and then I still was in this like, wow, because I heard myself say, I'm allowed to eat anything because I'm doing this. And then I was like, well, that's fucked up, Trisha. You're allowed to eat what you want anytime. Like, so I had had that, but I then went to like, Oh, so I'm eating all the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't go into like a crazy, but I, I went to like the high, you know, like there's probably been a fluctuation through of my life yeah. and it was like a higher thing. So I still, I didn't hate myself though when I went there. I was in like, hey, you're allowed to eat whatever you want. Yeah. And yeah. oh, your body looks like this right now. Again, I was still within a certain frame. I pretty much can still wear the same size mm-hmm. if I gain or lose 20 pounds because yeah. of my frame. Yeah. But yeah, but like, but I then had to get into a, I'm allowed to eat whatever I want and then had to be okay with the body that came from that. Yeah. And then years later, it started to become in the, I wasn't like, let me shove everything I want in my face because I'm allowed. Yeah. So mine was gradual. Yeah. No, and, and that's how mine was as well, I think, was sort of like there's the binging. But but what I've learned and especially learning this year is the second you give yourself permission, the enticing element of I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I am goes away. Yeah. And so when you know that you can have the cookies today, but you can also have them tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and the rest of your life, you don't have to eat all of them right now. Yeah. And that mindset, you know, I just kind of surrendered. And what actually ended up happening is probably just like two months after this first, this moment of surrender to me, this first time in over a decade when I decided to stop dieting and to surrender into who I naturally was. I was approached by some modeling agents and asked if I'd ever thought about plus size modeling. And I signed a contract with them. And the next thing I knew, I was a face of Target and Forever 21. And I always say, did you get those contracts pretty quickly after signing? Oh, like probably like months after. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and what a message from God or the universe that says, you've spent the last 15 years trying to be to manipulate and control into yourself into this version of you that you thought you had to be to make this dream come true where all along it was in you already and you were just 
muddying it up and I, and you couldn't, and you couldn't see it. So I had access to it when I surrendered. And so of course that dream came true. And did it bring me happiness and health and all these things? No. And like, then my life has been perfect ever since. And then here I am, I'm retired. I'm 31. Uh, no. Um, but yeah, so, so I, and that's how my modeling career started. So I've been modeling now for about, uh, nine years and, um, as a plus size model. And, and as I was saying earlier, it's given me the opportunity to be that woman that wasn't there when I was growing up. So. I'm super grateful for modeling. It's given me a lot of opportunity and a beautiful platform. Um, it's not my passion by any means. And and it brings me to this point. I always say you have to try dreams on. The best thing you can do is try dreams on because oftentimes what happens is we set our minds on this dream, right? And we say, this is what I want to do. And then we spend our whole life and we assume we have our whole life to get to that dream because that's our big dream. And then what happens? Have you ever stopped to think that what happens if you get to that dream and you don't really like it? Yeah. So why not try that dream on? If you want to be a nurse, if you want to be a teacher, how can you find a way to shadow someone to get an internship, Mm. to try your dreams on like you would clothes to make sure you actually wear them and feel out? Does this feel good? Is this what I thought it would be? Is this lighting me up? Is this sparking joy like I thought it would? Or is this one another one of those shoulds that I thought should make me happy, but actually doesn't? I love that you brought that because I actually have that written down as a question because I saw you say that or something before like written and I was like saying, what does that really mean to try dreams on like clothes? Yeah. Because I was like, well, you can't. But that you're getting is that, yes, yeah, so often people are holding off to like, this is it and I know it. So one day I'm going to get to it or I'm just going to keep working to make it happen and killing myself to make it happen. Because one day I'll but be like, happy when it happens. Yeah. And like to try it on. And that that's, you know, and that's funny because someone even asked me yeah. for d- advice on something yesterday on Instagram, like they had a fear about starting something. And I was like, well, what if like, first of all, like that's your idea of how hard it's going to be. Have you even like done a Google search to see how to start doing that thing? Like yeah. there's probably easier ways. Yeah. And that's so much these days because we have so much information yeah. and because of Instagram and yeah social media, like whatever that so many people are sharing so much information. We're taking much in that. I also feel like that creates more rules that we make up. This person is successful. So I have to do that. So let me Google, how do you do this? And there's so many entrepreneurs. And so I'm going to show people how they do this, how they build a business, how they become of this, how they start a podcast. And that's amazing. There's so many resources out there, but sometimes it's like, you don't even need, like you can just start just like pick a way to start and just do it. And I was like, you don't need all of that money or you don't have to follow. You don't have to take that business school lesson to learn how to build your website and build your online thing. Like, what if you just try, like, if you think you're going to be a coach, if you want to help people, then start saying to friends, Hey, I think I want to do this. Can we have a conversation where I act like <laughs> I'm a coach, like that sort of trying it on? Like, cause that can, people can be like, how do you try it on? Then like you said, pick a mentor, go follow somebody, go see how does it feel? Because clo- it's like clothes look different on the model and on the hanger than they're going to look and feel on your body, right? You can see the most beautiful wool sweater and it looks so good on her frame and you see it on the hanger and the magazine it looks so good and you put it on you're like, shit, I'm allergic to wool. You know what I mean? Like, or you're just like this. I love this on the hanger, but when I put it on, it doesn't. No, feel it doesn't like do anything me. for me. Like, I don't feel alive. Right. And so the biggest challenge, the biggest thing I see with um, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, and I'm an entrepreneur as well. We'll, we'll get kind of yes. the story gets there. Um, but the biggest thing that I see is that they want to figure out everything and they want to write 
the business plan that includes every possible thing. And everyone just wants to plan for everything that could possibly come up and you can't. And all that does is that's analysis. Or what is that? Paralysis by analysis. Like that just holds you one space. You just have to take action. I commit to things well before I'm prepared for them. Yeah. I'll sell the ticket and then I'll figure out what the event's about. Yeah. You know, and my- that sounds unprofessional, but that's the truth. No, and that's one of the reasons I fucking love you so much because I see like so many people get stopped or just be like, well, I, you know, to be more respected or to take my business to the next level, I have to do this and hire these people and do this. And I'm like, but do you? Cause I'm like, you know, and like, and I feel like I used to second guess myself, like, well, I don't have like an assistant yet. So is that person going to feel like I'm reaching out to them on the podcast and it's from me and not my assistant. So they're going to see, like, feel like I'm not as professional. Like, who the fuck cares? Trisha, you just make up a name and you pretend to be an no, assistant. fuck that. I'm just be like, I don't need them. And I'm not, or I do need this. But like, I'm currently not using one and I am allowed to reach out to someone yes. or their assistant yes. and say something. And if someone is going to make up that I'm not enough or professional yes. enough or big enough deal yeah. because it's me directly yeah. writing them, then that's their thing. Yeah. It's not mine. Yeah. I mean, I thought that your assistant reached out. That's the reason I'm doing this podcast. But like, we can finish. <laughs> My like assistant a- told me that it was your <laughs> assistant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's like, if you can have an assistant and that's amazing, but you also like, I just, don't have an assistant. Like, yeah, or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Just saying. I have a dog. I feel like I'm witnessing so many people feel stopped or feeling like this is what I've seen other people do in their business to scale it, to start it, to whatever. So I have to do these things and spend this much money and do that. And that's not true. And I feel like I've seen that you're someone that just fucking takes action. I, you know, I've looked at a lot of people that I really respect. And that's something that I learn. I'm learning a lot even more this year is to only take advice from people who you really respect and would trade. And and not even just that, that you would trade that's who's been there before and who are doing what you want to do. And one of my mentors, her name is Susie Batiz. She started Poopery, which I believe is like a $500 million business now. I'm obsessed with her now via you sharing about her. She's a queen. She's an absolute goddess. Um, and she started that business after two bankruptcies coming out of abuse and trauma. And she had three kids and she grew it. She's never had a business plan and she's never had an investor. And and that listen and let me pre- let me actually say with that is not all businesses can function that way right. and there's no shame in getting investment and there's no yeah. shame in getting a business plan or anything like that every business all is different options are amazing but yeah for me hearing that too it's like I'm okay because I didn't write a business plan it sort of like gave me yeah. validation or other people validation like if you are someone that works best operates best by writing that business plan and getting it all out there and getting investors and that's great. If you're someone that's being stopped because you don't know how or why or the best way or the perfect way to write the business plan, and so that's making you not do anything, right. then just get into action. And exactly. that's who I am. Exactly. That, like, exactly. If I can't do anything to write the business plan, I'm probably not going to do much. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just need to do. Yeah. And then I'll figure that business plan out. Yeah, because your like, clients are going to tell you what they need. I don't know the name of this podcast yet, but I'm Great. doing it. We should call it. <laughs> we'll think about it through no this. No shoulds. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We'll think about it. <laughs> we are exploring. Yeah. We're exploring for what I want. To it's complicated. It. Okay. Why didn't so, you call it? What should I call this podcast? Oh fuck no! Why? I think that's great. <laughs> I would listen to that. Anyway, maybe. I yeah, it is inquisitive. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so we got to that from trying on dreams. So, so I model. I got into the modeling space. Signed with Wilhelmina Models. Moved out to New York City. I'd always wanted to live in New York City. Moved you moved there. to New York to grow your modeling yes. career. And I always just had these dreams. I watched a lot of Sex in the City. Like I had these Carrie Bradshaw dreams. I thought I like needed I to live that. in New York. I had to have my New York moment too. I lived there for so one year. In December of 2013, I moved out there with my 200 pound dog and I lived on my brother's I couch. I can't believe that you asked My brother and his with. girlfriend and their dog had a one bedroom apartment in Chelsea and I lived on their couch for about a month with my 200 pound dog. Yeah, it's like... I love you, Blake and Amanda. Bless you. <laughs> it seems totally normal that it was you, but bringing <laughs> the dog. Oh, you know, I'm actually just going to bring dog my dog is too. He just drools a little bit. <laughs> so I lived there, and and uh, and then eventually moved into my own apartment, studio apartment in uh, January of 2014. And what happened was, I moved to this new city, and I remember I had this moment of clarity and thought, I'm in this new place. I, no one has any expectations for how I live my life. I'd been partying a lot. And I had also taken, started taking Adderall because I thought, oh, I can't focus, blah, 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 ADHD. Um, And you took it for the intention of focus or Um, probably a little bit of everything, Trisha, (laughs) Um, more for the ability to focus on a party and stay up without eating. You to focus on Um, Okay. Okay. I'm glad. (laughs) And no, but really to focus too. I was like blogging. I was like a fashion blogger at the time, which I don't give two craps about, but, um, you know, trying to find my way. How was that introduced to you? Was someone else taking it? I took it all through college. That's like how I got through college. Well, because I don't really believe in necessarily in the modern education system. I, I, my personality doesn't thrive in that, in that. And so the way that I got through was that I would just study, like if I had a paper due, I would start the paper around 1am on the day it was due, stay up all night, turn it in. Same with essay, like exams. I would take, I would start, st- finally start studying around like 11 p.m. the night before, study for like six hours straight, and then take the exam and forget so you it. You used it to maximize your way of working. I used it to deal with the current education system that did not align with how I function. Got it. But to get by because I knew it was important. So okay. So you. <laughs> so here we are. New York. So anyway, I moved to New York, and uh, and I and I decided that I had this opportunity to reinvent myself. And I thought, okay, what's not serving me? And one of the big things was alcohol. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do a sober January. It's my first real month living here in the new city. And if I'm going to be sober, then maybe I'll find like a food thing. So I found something called the Whole Thirty, which is a 30 day clean eating sort of reset aimed at removing anything from your um, diet that could be inflammatory. So you're and how out- are you eating prior to that? I had gotten, I had started looking like eating um, a little bit cleaner through a, fr- I did a YouTube video with a friend who was a, nu- a holistic nutritionist and she's like challenged me to eat nothing. She said, eat, I don't know what I was doing, eat no- nothing artificial for a week or something. And I was like, well, you- oh, nothing processed. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. So if you can just give me a list of what okay, I can so eat. So when you had that moment after reading Janine Ross book, like you didn't go to like wellness eating. You were just like, cool, I can eat Doritos and in and out Exactly. So it was like, I can eat all the wheat thins and the pretzels. It wasn't nutrition based. It was just like freedom. Nutrition. I found nutrition in about in 2013, end of 2013, right before I moved to New York. And I did this like weekly challenge that my friend gave me before I moved to New York. I did it. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I could feel this. I had no idea that food affected the way I felt. Like what a concept, right? Because we just grew up in this fast food, processed food culture. No, and it's so funny, even these days, I sometimes will be like, well, I feel good. So I don't need to do that, like waking up early thing and doing <laughs> yoga because yeah. I feel good. But then I do. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot this level of feeling good existed because yeah. we just live on. 
I'm fine. I'm feeling good enough. I've got, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We get used to our normal. We get used to our good and, and don't acknowledge that there might be a grade out there. Yeah. And so I, so I did the whole 30 thinking I want to get a little deeper into this sort of clean eating thing. And I did it. And and the whole 30 is uh, no grains, no dairy, no sugar, no soy, no alcohol, no um, legumes, nothing artificial. So basically what you're eating is a lot of uh, vegetables, some fruit, really high quality meat, um, animal proteins um, and, you know, without without hormones, antibiotics, all that sort of stuff. And then high quality fats like avocado, olive oil, olives, like all these things that for so long diet culture said fat free. No, don't right. do it. Whatever. Oh my God. How many years of my life I went with no fat. Yeah. Now I'm like, give me all the fat. It helps my body so much. It's a huge thing for my fiber, like joint pain. Like I need more fat. And so I did this whole 30 the month of January and my, my life changed. I got to the end of those 30 days and I, you know, I'd gone into it for weight loss more than anything. Cause that was still really important to me at that time. I went into it for weight loss and I came out of it as a totally different person. When you went in for a weight loss, was it like, had you gained more weight or were you starting yeah. to feel like, Oh, I'm a model now. Let me try. Like I always wanted to like, wait, that was always my goal. When I'm thinner, when I, and I was in love with this guy who's a friend of mine, but I was in love with this guy who was an NFL athlete and he became the Jets quarterback and he kind of like really went like, you know, he's just doing really, really well. And that was like the hype of his time. And I remember we always had a little thing. And, um, and then when he went off to the NFL, I remember thinking, oh, I'm not the kind of girl that he'd end up with. And so if I just, if I could just lose the weight and become maybe a regular model, not a plus size model or whatever. And that's when like it would work for us. And I mean, that's a whole nother story, but eventually surrendering that, you know, understanding that it wasn't about him. It was about what I thought it meant about me to be with him, mm -hmm. right? It was me using him, which isn't fair. It was me wanting to use him for my own success. And I think that's where a lot of codependency happens and a lot of... So you feel like you didn't even like really like, oh, I love him as a person and we love it, whatever. but it was just sort of like also the sort of a fame attachment that came to him. Yeah. It was both. I do. And I still love him. Yeah. He's an amazing person, but he's even more amazing because everyone else is a recognizing he's amazing and he's excelling at this thing. So if I'm with him, then that people will then see that I am also this special person that I know I am. Exactly. Exactly. And he's a wonderful person. It's yeah. I was just, I love that you're seeing and allowing like it's to see parts, like it's totally. And, um, and so, you know, I did, I did this whole 30 and I did lose weight. I lost 15 pounds, but it was as if that didn't even matter because it was, I always say it's like someone took Drano and dumped it in my brain. And all the fog that lived there for the, those tw the 25 years of my life was washed out and life became clear. And I call it was my spiritual awakening. You just felt so good in your body, like not, not the size of your body, but in your body. It was more mental and spiritual. I had this mo I had moments of clarity and it was like every single day I had epiphanies. All of a sudden it made sense to me how I was using food. All of it, all of a sudden I could tune into my body and pay attention to how I was feeling. I was, and then, so I started through that process. I thought, I don't ever want to not feel this way. I feel so good after these 30 days. So I kept at it and I was started by sharing my journey and I started meditating and journaling and practicing gratitude and affirmations. And I totally developed this self routine. How did that stuff start to show up? Like, was it because you I got learned mental, from someone else or? Well, I got mental clarity through the food, right? So that's why uh, there's a book that from the Whole30 creators called It Starts With Food. And I oh, would okay. recommend it to anyone. And I love that title because I really believe that. And that's why I have a food business today, which we'll get to. But 
I really believe it starts with food because what food did was it cleared my channel. It cleared my physical vessel and it gave me mental clarity. As a result of the mental clarity, I could start reading books and actually focusing. I used to try and read a book and I'd get through one page and forget what I read and have to start over and say, fuck it. And that's when you get to, that's when kids and people get diagnosed ADHD and all the pop. And instead they're given pills instead of, Hey, maybe let's take the, the artificial junk out of your diet so that your brain functions as it's meant to. Right. And so my brain started functioning. As a result, I had clarity and self-awareness. And I started reading. And, and, and through these books, I started reading about like alternative lifestyle, like four-hour work week and and meditation and mindfulness and all this sort of stuff. And I was journaling and things were coming out of my pen that I didn't know I knew about myself. And it was just this totally spiritual awakening. And 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 I did it through food. Food was my foundation. Yeah. And so I became really passionate about food. It's interesting because now that you're saying that and it starts with food, I'm like, that's I don't that might be like what started a lot of mine because like I said I grew up with a lot of pain and stomach problems and all different things and I was finally diagnosed at 18 with fibromyalgia and that's from a, from a somebody that just finished med school and so it was just a new thing back then that was in mm-hmm. 1999 or 98 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I still am like I don't even know if that's what I have or what even that word is like it's definitely like a word that gets thrown around like we don't know what you have this and so they gave me three different prescriptions yeah. And I went off to college and mm-hmm. I was a fucking mess. Like, cause it want, want, like the pills made everything, they might've helped with some pain, but then they made me drowsy or whatever. And I, I was like, I can't live my life. I can't go to class. I was studying, I was doing in places that I wanted to learn and yeah. pursuing my dream. And um, so I decided to go off of it. And then like, how can I best take care of myself? And it yeah. ended up being through food. Yeah. And, and so that ended up actually, yeah, it was like probably a lot of, I mean, my journey started with the pain. And almost killing myself because of the pain, but also more mental pain of life. But then that was like me seeking that. But yeah, like a lot of my more like wellness and seeking and all of that probably didn't start with like the shift in I can control what I'm putting into my body. These pills aren't helping it. What can? Well, and and I'm a big, here's the thing. There's no shame in in using conventional medicine to heal. And a lot of people really need it. Yeah. But I also think that we live in a culture where it's so much more focused on prescribing something than getting to the root. It's dealing with the symptoms instead of dealing with the core of what's causing it. And my partner um, is uh, uh, in recovery for opiates and he struggled with those for a long time. And so it's just been another sort of conversation from whether, you know, prescription pills and the stigma of illegal drugs and all that sort of stuff. And I just really believe that through self-care and mindfulness and food and a lot more natural ways of healing, most things can be, maybe I'm not going to say fully cured, but I'm going to say most things can, can be minimized. Yeah. No, I tell, and I also, it's also the way that we've, the medical industry is, is that it's also like, I get it. First of all, I have to go into an office and try to explain to somebody what I'm feeling and all the many things. And I might forget it all or I've become overcome with over emotion and I'm crying about the pain, which I did when I was 15. And my pediatrician tried to in- told my mom that I must have like a mental problem because I was crying when I was 15. Thank oh, you very okay. much. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like that also was part of because I was in so much physical pain and stomach problems and like different things. But anyway, so it's like you know, they schedule it to like, here's 15 minutes of you talk to the doctor. They're trying to take in that information. It's like. And send you on your way with the prescription. It's a lot. It's like, yeah, we do. I think need like, let's talk to like, I don't know. I don't know what the best way of tracking is. So like I get, I'm not against 
conventional medicine either and that that does work. But yeah, it's like it's there's a lot going on in our bodies in yeah. that I think that it all more starts with us us taking the choice of tuning in. Someone recently, one of my friends like was like, Trisha, this is happening to me. Like I know you've dealt with chronic pain and now I'm dealing with this. And she was like, I have to be my own advocate. And she was like saying it so powerfully or whatever. And I was like, well, duh. But I was like, oh, fuck, people don't realize that. Everyone's still thinking something's wrong with me. I'm going to go to the doctor. They're going to tell me what's wrong with me. They're going to help me. Yeah. But I started my journey back at 15 or younger when I was feeling I was pain or 18 when I took it into my own hands because when I finally got that diagnosis, I finally got it. See, something is wrong with me. Yeah. And then nothing worked still. Right. But I was like, I was like, what do you like? Yeah, of course you have to be your own advocate. That's what I said in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. But I was like, oh, like everybody out there is depending on yeah. other people to here yeah. take this. Well, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to give you the answer, and that would be amazing. But it's really like we have to tune into ourselves. I have an interesting question. Something <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot, and I'm interested to see what you think about it. Nowadays, we live in a culture where everyone is labeled as something. Everyone has something, whether it's an illness or um, some sort of disease or some sort of trauma or some sort mm. of gender or some sort of everything, right? And I got a message from someone yesterday on social media about, you know, I'd shared my self-care routine and and she was upset because she felt like I didn't address the fact that I was privileged and um, not everyone has the time to practice self-care like I do and it makes them feel worse about themselves. And and here's the thing, I appreciate those kinds. And, and she wrote in all caps, make space for women of color, Jesus Christ, and kind of went off. And, um, and at first I was upset by it. And I was, I was really, I got a little defensive because what I wanted to do is I wanted to defend myself because yeah. the truth is, I really do believe that everyone can make time for self-care. It doesn't, what I, what I share doesn't Same. cost money. I've never said you have to practice two hours of self-care. And the truth is, and this is part of my story that maybe we'll get to is, you know, yes, I have plenty of privilege. I'm a white woman and I grew up with, you know, supportive parents and and enough. And I, I have a lot of privilege. I'm very aware. But I also worked three jobs and rented my apartment out so that I could try and make some money while I was starting my business, struggling with mental illness myself and moved back into my parents' garage for two years and was six figures in debt. And you know what I did is I used self-care to change that situation for myself. Yeah. And so while, yes, I acknowledge that not everyone has a garage to move into and not everyone has those opportunities. I would never not say that I'm privileged by any means. But my point being coming full circle is what if we all stopped identifying ourselves as all of the different things, right? My partner who's in recovery, I thought, I remember thinking, maybe the issue here is that I see recovery and his addiction is so much a part of his identity that my I'm also manifesting that as being part of his identity. Does that make sense? Like, what if we stop labeling ourselves as all of the different things and we and we yeah. get back to a place of... No, I get that because I don't... Yeah. Our identity becomes our disease or our illness or our gender or our color or our age or our, we we attach so deeply to the I, these identities and these labels and these illnesses and these traumas and all of this stuff when the truth is we are not this physical body that we live in. We're a soul inside of this flesh that allows us to experience the physical world. But in reality, nothing can touch our soul. Nothing can touch that light. I, that's what I believe. No, I'm the same way. And like, obviously, no, it's all welcome. And like, I get it too. Whereas, you know, what the white privileging is a different thing. And I have myself been like, well, yes, I must have that. You know, it's like we have that and we're unaware. 
But with that comment and with what you're saying, I totally believe is that I, and I also try to not label myself even yeah. like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't life coach, mindset coach, whatever mentor. But I'm like, I don't want, I don't even know what the word is. Like, I don't want that. And even like, I don't want for years, I didn't say fibromyalgia. I don't even know. Like I said, it's like, there was, there's a physical thing that ails me that I've been able to heal most of the time, but still flares up. I don't even actually know what that is anymore. And I also, this also came up with a friend who is now dealing with her own real pain and trying to get a cure and a fix in that. And like, she's doing research and she's like, I have these books. You might want to read them. And I said, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) They'll probably make me mad. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, because I'm in a place now where I don't even need to know what it is that I have or had or what that pain is. I'm so tuned in that I'm not feeling great today. I'm feeling terrible today. I'm whatever it is. What can I do to try to make that better? And that like, you know, and and that it is just me tuning into myself. And so that person who obviously has some feelings and maybe some anger in there because they're looking at your life and your schedule that you wake up at the crack of fucking dawn to make time for yourself. And that we don't know what her life looked like. There's a lot of people we don't know that is struggling and that I struggles are real. Conflicts are real. This is just reminding me of the own your awesome card that I shared yesterday in my feed from my affirmation app is the only one who can ever really hold you back is yourself. Mm-hmm. And that in that I comment when I shared it, it was like, of course, there are real life circumstances. Of Absolutely. course, there are people that are trying to keep you down or back no matter what you are, no matter what your situation is, of course. But for you to see, well, I fucking want what Danica has. I want a self-care practice. Then you do it by starting with two minutes, yeah. with 30 seconds. You do it by saying, not even I want a self-care practice. I am committed to a self-care yeah. practice. Yeah. And even by just you saying that to yourself yeah. every day, it'll start to make space for itself. And right. you will start to feel the release of, I am making time for a self-care practice. I, ha- I have a self-care practice. And that you then make that shift. Of course, we have privilege, but we've also had really big struggles. And I don't, I can't even imagine the real life struggles that people out there are going through. Yes. But it's all perspective. But if you can try to make a shift in your mind, then it can get better and you can find your way out and find alleys for yourself and find that. That's what I truly believe and that I'm here to support (laughs) and to call people. And that's what I feel like my mission is, is just like, look, life isn't fucking perfect. For me, for that Grammy award-winning winner song, whatever words I'm using right now, (laughs) that writes the happy songs, for the model, for whoever it is, we're all facing things every day, no matter how much privilege we we have or we don't have. And I have traveled to places where they're living in nothing and they have the most joy. Yeah, I I found the same. So, um, yeah, like let's get, and I don't, again, I'm again like, yeah, we don't need to label ourselves. We don't need to be this. We don't know. And that's another thing that I think that social media has brought up just because there's so much we're taking in so much information and then yeah. people are, can say, I'm under this, I'm a that. And we can, we have to write in our profile. So what am I? What do I share? So then I need to put a label on this to say what I am. <laughs> Here's the thing. When I get these messages at first, the first thing I am is grateful because it sparks a conversation. And if I get defensive, I know there's some work there for me. Yeah. And so it's beautiful. But the truth is we have two options. We have one option is to sit in a victimhood and say, 
I, this isn't fair. I didn't get this. I don't have this opportunity, whatever. Or we can spend that time taking actions towards what we want. And I had this conversation at a, at a workshop I was at uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, and we talked a lot about women um, and and the difference between men and women in the workplace and what they make and all that sort of mm. stuff. And I got up on stage and I said, you know, truth be told, I have never felt inferior to men in anything. And, and, and maybe call me naive, call me wildly privileged. I, maybe I'm both. But there's something that for me and in my privileged experience is that I've followed this, the, in, instead of dwelling in this conversation of women are, aren't getting these opportunities or whatever, I just did shit. I just, I keep doing stuff. The truth is the more I hear people telling me that women are, um, that things are uneven for us and things aren't fair, the more I want to step back and, and feel, oh, the, oh, that's right. Things aren't fair. Right. So then people get settled into, well, things aren't fair. Can someone else take care of this? For me? It's like or when like, you watch the news or like, well, I'm just going to sit back here and be upset because things aren't fair. Right. Or and I know people are, I mean, this conversation is so sensitive and people are going to be like, white girl, girl, you know, I don't know. But the truth is, um, I'm ha- I have a lot of feelings about it and I have a lot to learn. And yeah, I want to make sure too. that I'm always, always um, learning and, but also not, not speaking because I'm scared of offending people. And that's something that I feel a lot of lately is I feel like I'm so scared to say the wrong thing that I want to stop talking. And that's not okay. That's not how we, that's not how we share light because there is a woman, there are plenty of women who look at me and like, girl, you have no idea what I've been through. I cannot relate to you. And that is absolute truth because I don't have your trauma and I don't have your experience. And I, and I am, and I have lots of privileges, right? But there are women who do look at me and, and see themselves in me and, and I inspire them. And so what I can keep doing and the thing that I feel the best is that I can keep doing is just keep sharing my truth based on my experience. And for the people it resonates with, I hope that we can connect. And for the people that it doesn't, or if I don't make you feel good about yourself, please, like I give you full permission. Do not let me into your energy field. Right. And that's an important thing to say is like, and realize is that like, hey, if you like we're trying or we're just maybe we're not, we're just like really being so excited about what lights us up. So we're sharing that with the intention that it sparks some light and fire in someone else. Yeah. If you're constantly being triggered, upset by what someone's saying, then it's great that you're speaking up to try to create more consciousness. And I'm definitely open yeah. for those conversations too. But it's also like, no matter what, even if you're like someone that's, you, you're not coming from that space, but you're getting triggered. Sometimes we can get triggered because that person's doing stuff or that person's having success or that person's that, or that person's speaking in a way that is making me feel a certain way. Even if you love that person and you want to be in their space, if that person is not making you feel great, and is making you stuck in these judgmental thoughts or fearful thoughts yeah. or I'm not enough or she's not enough or anything, you don't have to put yourself in that space. Right. And that's the better choice. Because yes. <laughs> and you can always come back and once maybe you've worked you. through things. Or maybe they're just not your tea. Like some people I absolutely fucking love, but I don't follow them because like maybe their word choice or what they share is not things that I want to take in. Yeah. Like because I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But like, oh, I don't take in as much information. So what I want on my feed is like this sort of stuff. Right. And I fucking love your message and your stuff, but I don't follow you. And that doesn't mean anything about you yeah. or yeah. how I feel about you. And here's what I'm just going to say. I am ignorant. I am naive. I am privileged. I am blinded. I am. We all are in different ways. And I sit here and this conversation is a really vulnerable one for me. And I'm sit, already sitting here in my mind like, 
oh God, what did I say that's wrong? And what did I say that's going to offend somebody? And what did I say? And that's, and that for me is a reminder of a space for me to grow and a space that reminds me that I am trying to silence myself in order to take care of everyone else's feelings. And if I've learned anything from my partner, Billy, who, as I mentioned, is in this recovery space, he says, I am not responsible for your feelings. I'm not responsible for anyone's feelings. I'm responsible to not be a malicious asshole. We so want to, because we so want people to receive us in the way that we want to be received. And no matter how much we try. All I can say is that I come from love. And I know that. And that's all I can do. And someone might hear what I have to say and say, no, she doesn't, she knows nothing. And maybe they're right. Who knows? But I know that I come from love. And when I speak and when I share, I just come from a space where I want to have interesting conversations and I want to grow my mind and I want to help grow other people. And, and it's tough. And the social media world is a huge magnifying glass, you know, and, and you have to learn to detach and not let other people's opinions affect you and also not let them silence you. Right. Yeah. Don't let, you can't let things silence you. And I'm going to say a final thing here. Message me, help me grow. Share with me if you heard something that triggered or if you've learned something in your journey trying to wake up to privilege or wake up to anything like that. Like, I want to know about it. So share. And that's, you know, like it's also it helps like it, it for real message us if some, we say something or if you're like, hey, it'd be better if you said it this way or I right. see your point of that because it's all learning in that we're trying to right. learn and grow. But what we know is our own experience. And it's OK. It's OK to want to grow. It's OK to say the wrong thing. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Hey, hi, it's Trisha, your host here on the Claim It podcast. Coming to you for a brief moment to remind you, to make you aware of, did you know that I have a daily inspiration app called Own Your Awesome? Yeah, you can get it in the Google Play or Apple app stores. Just search own your awesome or your joyologist and it will come right up. It's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations to improve your day, look at different things in your life, empower you, create a little mindset shift. You can come to it at any time. It's sort of like a digital deck of cards and you can hit the show card button, swipe through. You can also set a daily reminder time so you'll get an alert. It could be first thing in the morning, maybe around 2 p.m. when you're feeling your energy slow down. Maybe it's a little nighttime reflection. So you choose the time. It sends you a reminder. You can come pull it. And when you're there, you can hit a little heart, create a favorites. You can easily share it with your friends on social media. There's even a little journal section to write about what you think about the card or how you're feeling that day, which is kind of fun because it's like a secret space no one would ever think to go look at. I mean, I don't know. Do people still read each other's diaries? I'm sure they do. (laughs) Anyway, I just opened the app and this is the card I got. I am in control of my thoughts, feelings, actions, and attitudes. No one can make me feel anything without my consent. That's a big one. I'm going to hit show me a card again. This one says, bliss happens outside of your comfort zone. So true. Okay, one more. I matter. The shit I am making up, worrying about, stressing about, all of that, it doesn't matter. I matter. So there's lots Lots and lots. Some are affirmations. Some are powerful thoughts. Some are very sweet. Some are like, "Uh," calling you out on what's going on in your mind. (laughs) 
It's only $3.99, no advertisements. It's not a subscription fee. It's just a one-time $3.99. That's like less than a latte these days, right? I think you can afford $3.99 to get these daily doses of inspiration, motivation, and empowerment. Back to the episode. So anyway, moved to New York, found this personal growth journey, shared my journey. I got a little extreme with the food and the working out and all that sort of stuff and I ended up losing a bunch of weight and I lost all my modeling clients for a time being. So I was in this sort of like in between. How did that feel? Like, so you're feeling so, like you said, like so clear, yeah. so alive. And then are you also loving your body? Or are you stuck and I need to lose more weight still? Like, but were you like, Hey. I felt good. I felt good in my body. I definitely felt great in my mind. And it, and it sort of shifted from body to mind for me in that year. And I think that's like been the best shift for me is now I do things based on how my brain and my mind and my spirit feel versus like how it affects my body. It's just sort of like an after effect. Same. I, such an interesting thing I noticed this year, not really even thinking about it was like, oh, I bought a Peloton bike and that was a big choice. Like an, that's an investment for me. And yeah. those are big things for me, financial investments. Um, And I was like, my goals for getting them was was like, I've got big things that I'm working on in my life this year. I'm going to need that to be at my best. It had nothing to do with how I'm going to look. I wasn't like, I still have like, I had two babies in three years or something, two years or something. I don't even know. Like whatever, but I was not like, you know, and even when I'm like, I got to make a point to exercise today. It's not like, because I need to look at that or fit in my own. It's just like, oh, like my body's feeling this way or my mind's feeling this way, like whatever. So cut to back to you. And also then how did that feel though? You're feeling the best you feel like you have in your life and then you're not getting this work that you're like, I I did it. I made my modeling dream come true. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was kind of a gradual thing with the modeling industry. You never really know when your next job is. And so it's one of those things where maybe, I think it was like a, maybe a few months passed and I realized I wasn't really getting booked as much. Because they and, weren't telling you. You were just like, okay, I didn't get that one. Okay, I didn't get no that one. There's no communication unless you book a job, right? Were and you so, going to like castings or I didn't stuff? Do a whole lot of castings. I went sometimes. Did they and just there submit were a few you and they tell you that booked me. I think throughout this time, but it was just less and less. Um, and I probably wore a size like six or eight at that point, which um, you can work at that size, especially nowadays. But at that time, I, it's just like rebuilding That's your so career. Late. Yeah. So so anyway, plus I'll, wait, but plus size modeling at a size six or eight. That's where plus size models start. If you're a size six and up. Anything size six or bigger in the industry is plus. So is that basically like if you have any more figure or more meat on your you got bones that booty than a or those hips? Yes. Interesting. Um, so plus size modeling is a very vast term. It is, but traditionally, like the the a plus size model, like the the ones that get booked the most, I would say, sizes twelve to sixteen. So that's the size that and and somewhere between five nine and six foot. Like there, it's like, that's like the window of like, really, you're going to work the most. 14 is like the foundational size. Some clients like a little bigger, some like a little bit smaller. But from what I've experienced, that's really, you know, because you have to fit a sample. Like that's really what it comes down to yeah. is they and order samples based on a specific size. Um, do they still call it plus size? Uh, some do. Some call it curve. Some call it woman. Some don't call it anything. Woman? Yeah. Women's, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting thing. I call it plus just because, um, it sparks conversation. And I like to educate on the industry and, and what that's like. But ideally, one day there aren't labels and on anything yeah, ever. Right. Modeling. <laughs> <laughs> I am a 
model. Yeah. Yes. So um, anyway, it's my, my work stopped and I had to really quickly figure out how I was going to support myself. I clear, didn't save money like a responsible adult. I was I just didn't, you know, you just don't know. And, um, and so quickly I, you know, I had a pretty much a six figure modeling career and went oh, wow. from that to nothing overnight. So I thought about it and I thought, okay, how do I, what can I do that would really bring me joy? What do I want to put into this world? What am I passionate about? What are my struggles and how can I make them my strengths? And I paid attention to the questions I was getting from people a lot. And I was getting a lot of people interested in Whole30, but saying, I don't know how, to, I don't want to cook. I don't have time. It seems too expensive. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. And I remember thinking if I could just give people this food and give them this feeling first, then they'll be more inclined to create it for themselves because it's really hard mm. to articulate a feeling when you feel that drastically different from changing how you ate for 30 days. You, there's only so much that words can say outside of letting people experience the feeling. So I thought if I make the food right. and you commit to eating it, just that. Because otherwise they're like, that sounds amazing. I'd like to try that. But then they're like, that means I have to like, what, like get these go shopping, then I have to make this right. food. I have to do all that work. I'll, maybe next week, maybe next right, month. Exactly. Maybe from spring break or right. And so I just, you know, I decided I'm going to cook these meals and deliver them to people. I'm just going to cook them out of my apartment, which is totally illegal, especially with a dog. But here we are. And so I put something on Instagram and I said, does anyone want a healthy private Instagram? Ex- oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. yeah. So this was 2014. I put something on Instagram. I said, does anyone want a private chef, a healthy chef in New York City? And chef's like a really bold statement for my level of cooking. Yeah, but it is. I had like five. I think it was like five people respond and, and be interested in it. So I said yes to all of them. Did you have at that point? Like, what was your I had following? nothing. Because also back then, Instagram wasn't like a, like it is now. It was more like, it's hey, not. Friends. But it was building. It was building. I probably had like, I want to say I probably had like 8,000 or 6,000 followers or okay, something. Okay, no, I'm trying to think of where I was in my life. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it was like a thing, but not like it is now. Yeah, it was getting there. So you had like how many followers? Probably like 6,000 or 8,000 yeah. or I don't know. I really have no idea, but that sounds about right. So anyway, I had these five people that said yes. And I thought, okay. And I signed them all up and and I decided I was going to cook these meals. And so I did. And I installed a second fridge in my apartment. Before that, had you done the math on... No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Can I actually make a profit? No, of course not. I didn't even know what I was going to put them in or when I... I did nothing prepared. I literally... I put an Instagram... This is what we're talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. I put up an Instagram post... And I committed before I actually figured anything out. And that's how I do everything. <laughs> and, and, and it works. I mean, it's worked for the most part. So anyway, I signed up these clients. And I started cooking and I was having the absolute best time. And I called it Model Meals. And I was delivering meals all over. And it was mo- about modeling how to live and eat cleaner. It was education-based. And it was a model for a, clean, a healthy meal. And it was Whole30. And so I just started cooking. And I did that for about three months. And the most I'd have at a time were like, 10 people. Um, and on the weekends, you know, I was, bro- I went totally broke. I was not making enough money by any means. Oh, yeah. No, not making, I loved it. I was, I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I love this, but I'm making, I was making no money. Um, I borrowed a little bit from my grandparents and my parents, but that went, it wasn't like some crazy amount. It was just to like get by. So next thing I knew I'm three months late on my rent. I had been on, the, I was working at a juice shop in the meantime. So I was working at a juice shop a few times a week. What juice shop? Juice press. And I would walk there cause I couldn't afford a, I couldn't even take the subway or cabs. Like I literally would walk everywhere. Even So when I was delivering the meals, 
But you loved making these meals so much that even though you had another job, like, because you could have just been like, okay, this isn't working out. I need to work more money. But the other job was, I mean, it was minimum wage. I was making right. minimum wage and it's not, it wasn't the kind of job that you could afford a West Village studio apartment by any means. Got it. And I wasn't making money through model meals because I was pretty much like breaking even, but I was loving it. And it was like my passion. And on the weekends, I would stay down the hall. I have this this girl, Lisa, she was my angel and she lived down the hall and I would stay on her couch and bring my huge dog and stay at her place and rent my place on Airbnb to make a little bit. Yeah. So I was just doing anything I possibly could to make money. Eventually got to the end of that year and the end of my lease. And I um, was I was struggling so much financially and I was in so much emotional pain and struggling with my binging. I was binging like crazy. I caught one night, I ate 8,000 calories of Whole30 foods. So like apples, almond butter, eggs in uh, 20 minutes. Do you think it was just like you're so it was emotional stress. It was the way that I took the edge off. It was my drug. Yeah. And so remember it clicked for me. It's not about what I'm eating. It's about how and why. And I got into a program called, um, actually, I think I'm st- like really still unclear on the en- the rules of the anonymous program. So I got into a an anonymous food program. Yeah. I'm like, I actually know several people that have gone to. Yeah. It's incredible. And it, and it totally, it was a big, a spiritual awakening for me as well. And through that and through the self-work and the self, um, reflection of that program, I realized I needed to change some things. You did that in New York. In New York. Yeah. Like I was, I was working hard. And how did um, you find that program? How did you even know it existed? I think a friend of mine was in recovery and and mentioned it to me. Um, and that's why I like to talk about it because I didn't know it existed until that. And there's so many women out there. Again, it's anonymous, so we don't know, but like, was that one around food or just food? Okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's what I was like. People who use food and that's what I thought. Addictive ways. And so your friend had been part of that group. Did you, were you, well, she didn't live in New York. She lived in uh, California, but she was visiting. Got it. But you were venting to a friend saying I in this pattern again. I think so. And, and that was really big, uh, you know, a lot of self-reflection that led me to realize I had to change my circumstances or else I, this wasn't gonna, I had to, I had to relieve some stress somehow. And financially, like I, I couldn't live how I was living. And so I made the decision that I needed to move home to California and into my parents' garage while I paid off um, my debt. So were you already at this point in the six figure debt or what? Uh, I gradually sort of accumulated it. Probably like it, I probably got to six figures within the first couple months of, because what happened was I didn't pay my, I hadn't paid my taxes yet. And it was like one of my first years as a big time oh. model. And as a, and and I made all this money modeling, but had no, did not say I was just an idiot. Like that. And it's another speaking for like women's financial education is like a huge thing I'm passionate about because you know, and just in general, financial education. I mean, my apartment was expensive and I didn't pay my rent. I didn't pay my rent for like three or four months. No, I didn't have a credit card. So I borrowed money from, or actually, I'm sorry, I did have a credit card at that point. So I think I had about 20 something, 20,000 in my, on there. But you probably, it wasn't like ridiculous purchases. You were like groceries. Like it was just like making it happen. And you kept thinking it's going to be successful. So I'll pay it off. It's going to be successful. So I'll pay it off. Yeah. And it was one day. Yes. It was one day. We're getting there. But yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. Like I've heard you say the six figure in debt and I was like, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're not like making ridiculous purchases. It's just the fact of like committing to this is dream is happening, but okay. So I need more groceries or I need this. Exactly. It was just life stuff. It was different stuff, you know, just life stuff. And so anyway, I moved back in with my parents and I had shut down the business in New York and moved back in with my parents in uh, January of 2015. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I really took that time to focus on me 
And I definitely like digressed before I went forward again, but I eventually... What was the digression with food or... Well, yeah, I was binging in secret a ton. We did talk about... You didn't stop drinking. I was sober sober that whole year. Yeah, all of 2014. So then when you moved back to California... So in 2015, at the very end of my time living in New York, um, I... I, th- I think I moved back to New- to um, California end of January 2015. And in the last couple of weeks of me living in New York, I drank wine again. Like, cause I, my goal had been like to be sober for a year and huh. I drank wine again and it wasn't like horrible, but I definitely found myself eventually like drinking more and more and, and not making decisions that served me. It just wasn't serving me. And so I drank for probably like four to six months when I got back to California. Not like it was a problem, but like, oh, we're out. Let's have a drink. Some nights you might have. Right. It's not an addiction for me, but it's also not something that serves me. Not like food. Food to me was an addiction. Food to me was obsessive. I obsessed in my mind. It was out of control. It was like that whole time. I mean, my whole, most of my life. And so I got home and I just really started focusing on what the hell will it take me to get to the end of the day and not binge eat? Because the truth is I was going to the grocery store and spending $50 that I didn't have on food, on my drug, essentially, when I was already in debt and I was eating it in secret to ease my stress and my pain. And so I got into, I did a bunch of different therapies and I was uh, brought on some business partners and like relaunched model meals and rebuilt my modeling career. I gained some weight. So I started being able to rebuild my modeling career, which was really helpful for me. Um, And I brought on some business partners and we started model meals in August of 2015 in California. And when you say brought on business partners, what does that actually look? Is it like, hey, friend, I have this idea. Exactly. Well, they had already seen me doing it. We didn't really have startup money at all. So we, I started with, um, one other business, uh, sorry, there was me and my business partner, Camille. She's my current business partner. She's my college uh, sorority sister. And then um, we had one, two other business partners. One was one of my guy friends who like really quickly, it, we like kind of parted ways. It wasn't anything big. And then my other business partner is still a dear friend of mine. She's a chef. Um, and we were with, she was with us for like 14 months. And then we went kind of separate ways, but we didn't have... Um, Camille put in like, I think it was like $1,000 or $2,000. And then we just, the, the pretty much the second week, I think we paid that back pretty quickly. Um, but just to like, for like the initial costs of the business. Yeah, and I just wanted to break that down. Cause again, for people that are like starting with the dream, like when we yeah. say, you say business partners, it sounds like very official. Yeah. We had some yeah. meetings, we've it got this like, business plan. And again, it's just like, really, it was just <laughs> you and a friend. Camille lived in my parents' garage with me. Awesome. She moved out <laughs> here. I think she lived in them for a month in my parents' garage with me. Um, as we got it off the ground and, um, it was really fun, but you know, early stage business, you're doing everything. And now we've grown the business now. It's been, I guess, three and a half years. And we have, I think like th- about 30 to 35 employees. Um, and, and you're in a, like a commercials. Oh yeah. We have a big commercial kitchen and, um, we serve, we're opening like 10 more States this year and are between this year and next year. Amazing. Yeah. And so you, how did you then get back to, did you, how, what, what was the time frame from moving back to New York? Cause you were like, I focused on my, your, I, my main focus on myself and then went to business partner. So how much time was in that? And did you already know? And did you always know I'm going to do this in California? Just give me a minute. No, I think I had a little bit of a breakdown while I was fighting with the food stuff. And that's where my self-care checklist came about. So I 
So I developed um, this like sort of checklist that I started doing every day um, that was focused on checking off the the, the elements of self-care that I knew would get me to the end of the day and be less likely to binge eat. And so it was like sleep, meditation, working out, eating clean. And when I saw how powerful it was for me to check these boxes each day to do these little little tiny things of self-care and that they, I'd get to the end of the day and not binge, I'm like, wow, this really works when I'm consistent with this. And I was reading all these personal growth books and found like, okay, well, I'm, I know all the things that, you know, everyone's saying will help me, but how do I make it so that I actually take action on them every day in a tiny way? It's a daily action. Right. Because it's a so different thing to be like, I always am reading these books right. and I read your affirmations and I have the deck, but then like actually believing them and applying them for right. your own life. So I just, I had a little checklist and then I realized that was working and I started adding things like affirmations and gratitude. How do you feel like that you even had the idea that I'm going to make this a checklist? Was it because you felt like- I was binging so badly um, that I I hit sort of, I remember I, I hit like a rock bottom and I just prayed. I was like, How, help me find a freedom from this pain. Like I've been stuck in this painful food thing for all of my life. Like help me. And, and I remember thinking that, I, if I could just figure out what is the formula, like what are the, some of the actions that I take and on the day, like what are the the um, connecting clues of the days that I don't binge versus the days that I do? And I realized that these little actions of self-care, when I did them, it was less likely that I was going to binge at the end of the day. And so I was like, I want to make sure I do these things every day. So I'm just going to make it a checklist. But so now you have the checklist. That still doesn't mean you're going to do it every day. Because I don't know how many times I write shit down. I never remember to look at that list again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did that take some like, okay, I'm so on board. I'm doing this. You did it for two days and then you forgot. And then you remembered like, was it back and forth? I, I But I was super desperate. I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of emotional pain. So you jumped on board, you, like, which I understand sometimes we're I was like desperate. coming from pain. Yeah. You do something and then so you are like locked in because you're like, this is making, I'm like clinging for dear I had life. I many, many times that I thought I was going to die from the way I was eating. Mm. Like my heart, the way my heart would beat wow. and how sick I felt. I would make myself really sick eating. Um, like thousands and thousands of calories and grease and yeah, where your heart's like, oh my God. And I couldn't wow. focus. I'd be driving on the freeway and my vision when you have that much sugar and that much stuff that goes to your brain like that, like it's like being on a drug. Okay. So I couldn't even see. Sometimes I'd have to like pull over and sit and be like, oh my gosh, like I can't even like my vision's messed up. And that's the thing. People don't talk about food addiction that way. And it's very real. Yeah. It was like, I, that's why I was like, I don't understand. What do you mean? It's very real. Well, I understand the addiction, but I didn't, yeah, like understand that all Food. of those, yeah, like that, that was doing it to your body and that, yeah. You know, sugar's a substance. Well, no, I know the addiction, but meaning like when you're like, I thought I was going to die, my heart was pounding, like that sort of stuff, then like I never yeah. would have thought yeah. about that. I'm just like, well, what do you mean? You're like, you feel like I ate a lot right. and that's uncomfortable. No, it's like an obsession. It's a, it's, I would do a lot like there, I would do, it's crazy. Okay. okay. So the self-care checklist. So it got, you it changed created. the way, so I used it and then eventually she used it to change my thoughts. So I'd write biographies of myself pretty much every day from the future. Yeah, I absolutely love, love, love that. And it was interesting because like last year I was going through my own sort of, I wasn't in a bad place or anything like that, but I was just like, okay, I'm ready to like get back into action in my life after being very much in motherhood, which was what I wanted. And, and in those actions, I was remembering these things I wanted to do, but I had 
layers of fears and doubts and worries and comparisons on me that I was feeling that was like keeping me back. And so then one thing that I started doing in the morning or and or night was like writing an affirmation based on like, uh, this is happening, like my future. Yeah. So like, I am a best-selling author. I am uh, whatever it was. And just like, you know, because I'm all about the intention of words and affirmations are powerful for me as well. And then when I discovered you and then that you had this that was somewhat similar to different. So yeah, talk about more of this. What do you call it? I call it a future biography. So I think of myself, I, I think, what do I want people to say about me in five years? Danica Brescia is dot, dot, dot. And I fill it in. And it's pretty similar each day because I'm clear on what I want. But yeah. it's actually changed a lot lately. I've done a lot of more internal deep self-work lately that um, is I'm just I'm a lot. My, my desires change because a lot of my old desires were to be that were focused around being seen. They were mm-hmm. sort of built around this not enoughness and they were built around this lack, meaning like I wrote about all the money, I all like the 150 million and the like you know, selling out Madison Square Garden. And I'm not right. saying that that's not part of something, my journey or anything like that. Sure, I'd be stoked if that happened. But now my in my bio is a little different. It talks more about my character qualities and how I live my life and my contributions. Mm. Um, and that's even changed in the last year, you know, since yeah. I went on tour, um, which is another thing. But um, but uh, so, so yeah, and I just, I used it. And I, I always say, like, I was sitting in my parents' garage. Idea come from, did you feel like you had it somehow or like whatever? I think I read, you know, I read a lot of different books. Because I'm the same way where I'm like, I don't know if I picked that up from someone else or if it was an idea or if I saw something and then transformed it for myself. It's like we transmute things that work. Right. And I didn't get the exercise from some specific yeah. book or anything. Like, I think I just decided to write it. Probably I'd read about manifesting or I love Abraham Hicks. I love, you know, different stuff. And I think I just thought about like, okay, what's a manifestation exercise I could do. So I, I really don't know, but you know, I think everything's some sort of interpretation of something we've heard or been inspired right. by. And that's, what's so beautiful is like how we can connect through those things. And when we share, we spark that in other people. So I have to really surrender like ownership on things, you know? Same. I've, yeah, I've realized, and I, I heard someone else say something, I think it was called like universal principles. Right. Where I, and that was something that rated me. Cause I sometimes will be like, Oh, but that's an, like, a thing that I do or have said, and I'm just like, well, cool. Like I hadn't said that, but it might've been like, nobody stole it from somebody. Or it's just like that it's all this learning over years and that we sort of create our own. Our minds are fully shaped by someone else's knowledge. Like every, every textbook we read, everything we're taught, it's because someone learned it from something, from something, you know? So like, that's what we are as human beings. And the second we can stop be so, being so divided and so individual and realize that this group consciousness is like that healing, it's stopped. T- so when we stop seeing all of all of our ourselves as so individual and so separate from everyone else, that's where this healing is going to happen. And so, yeah, I just used this checklist and the manifesting to change the way I thought every day. And I found, I found that when I wrote out, I am magnetic, I am confident, I am successful. Or when I wrote out Dana Cabresha is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, whatever. I when I wrote that, what happened is I go into the day and I'd subconsciously take actions based on that yes. version of myself. So I didn't even have to intentionally do things. I just sort of did. It just happened naturally as I took action on the day. And so slowly but surely, over the course of two years of living in my parents' garage, I was able to chip away at my debt and build up the business and um, really shift my own body perceptions. I mean, everything just changed rapidly. Yeah, it's so amazing how like that little thing. It's re- I mean, it's a big thing, but it's really like what that could be a couple sentences. Oh it yeah, could take and that's what I tell people. Long. If you have one minute a day, if if you can find one minute 
Think about how many affirmations you could say in one minute. Set a timer. You could, why don't you say three things you're grateful for? Say three affirmations and say a little bio for your, from yourself. I promise you can do that in under a minute. Such small things can have the biggest impact Absolutely. on our days and our lives. And that's the same thing like that for me, when I got that practice into my life, found it, created it, sourced it, <laughs> whatever it was. Like I was in a space of I've got two young kids. I don't know how old. Arrow was probably under one. Zia was two or three. Like, you know, I'm trying to run my own business. My partner is on tour most of the time. So it's mostly me managing house, kids, businesses, all of these things that I want to do. How am I making money? Whatever. It can feel very much. I don't have enough time. Yeah. I need to do. What can I? I need to do these like money making things each day or survival. Like, you know, like that that a lot of us aren't making space for how do we want to feel? How do we, what do we want in our lives? Like I'm very much like we have to find the joy every single day in what we are. It's not out there anywhere because we don't know what's going to happen out there or once we get there, but also allow yourself to dream and to what is that? If something feels like it's missing, what is that? To tap into that. So this exercise that can take one minute then just like it gives you this space of allowing to see what else is possible for yourself. What feels like it's missing? What do I want to call in? What do I want? How do I want people to think about me? How do I want, you know, like for me, it's like, yeah. well, what do I, if I could, if there was no, nothing holding me back, if there was no, well, this is how much you make, or this is where you live. And this is whatever your circumstances are, yeah. what, you know, like what feels great and like, or what is inside me that I know is something I've always wanted. Like I've always wanted to write a book. Like sure. It'd be awesome. It was a best-selling book. Mm-hmm. And that also might propel me more into getting into the action and writing the book than just saying, I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. If I'm putting that out there, like I'm going to write a best-selling or Trisha Huffman is a best-selling author. It's yeah. not again, like I'm not, I don't need, of course, there's a part of me being seen. Yeah. I very much realize I've had that deep into me like, yeah. oh yes, I want to be seen, see yeah. me. And because I feel like nobody cares about me has been something implanted in me my entire life. So I then have this craving to be seen. Mm -hmm. But that craving to be seen has allowed me like all the messages I share and what I say are are, like in the fact of like, hey, this is what I'm realizing is happening in my own mind. So I bet it's in yours too. It's like my sort of messaging is I am you. (laughs) We're so much fucking different. And you affect people in big ways. And you took over my you, your group and the amount of feedback I got from your takeover. So you were one of our first ones. And the people, the stuff that people remember that you said, and we're talking about throughout the course of that, you know, essentially like two month group. And when they were gave feedback at the end, what we say through sharing our own experience and what we're learning really impacts. And that's, that's what this is all about. That connection. That's what this whole thing is about. It's sharing. You mean life? Life. Okay. (laughs) Like it's sharing its connection. I'm like, this podcast is not the podcast This whole podcast. Yeah. We found the name. (laughs) What it's all about. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, it's had a, it's had a really big impact. Oh, thank you. I'm like, I don't even know. But anyway, basically saying you have one minute and that like by taking this one minute to do that. So like that, I loved that that was part of your story and like to getting into your, like make you like yeah. made like your model. I don't even know. We've like barely, we keep coming back to it. Like model meals is a meal, whole 30 based meal delivery s- system that is successful. Yes. No. What are the standards? I don't know what successful is, but like she's, you're, you are able to pay people. Yes. 
you are able to. Oh, are we paying my employees? Yeah. yeah, like whatever. Like, I don't know what you call, but like, yes. And it's amazing and it's delicious. Well, more than anything is I know that this food changes people's lives and to make it easier for people is a beautiful thing. But I will say my favorite part about business, hands down, is um, my team. Like getting to know these people. We have the most incredible people on our Monomals team and they're like family. And um, knowing that what we've created is giving people jobs that they you know, not everyone's going to love their job and not everyone that works for us is going to love their job, but we try. Yeah. And I know that there are people on our team who who this job has given them hope and growth and inspiration and life and to support their family. And like, that's fucking cool. How has that been the process of scaling it and hiring people? And even we haven't gotten to because we're so chatty. I have so many questions for everyone that you created the brunch series tour last year. And, uh, which I would love to talk about, but also in doing that, you left your business. They don't need me in someone else's (laughs) hands. (laughs) Yes. Or many other people's hands, but yes, like, you know, that's the, that's a beautiful thing. I talk a lot about personal brand versus like model meals. And so I've learned a lot as an influencer and like through, um, putting on events where I'm sort of the product versus model meals where the product is our food. And it's a lot more forgiving, to be honest. It allows, it, it, it's not subject, it's a business that's not subject to um, the complex experience of being a human being because mm. there's multiple people that are need to show up. You know what I mean? It's not like Tony Robbins where no one can step in and do a seminar when he's right. having an emotional day. Right. They just can't, right? So, so with Model Meals, we have an incredible team who's fully capable at running it better than I can. And that's like my greatest tip for success is delig- hire people who are smarter than you and delegate. The second you can delegate. I don't pay myself. So my business partner and I barely, we, I think we probably, definitely out of all of our salaried employees, we make the least. We don't, we invest everything back into the business. Okay. So Model Meals is not my main source of income. It's a very okay. small source. So I do modeling. But Model Meals is paying for itself yes. in that way. So it's yes. in like, yeah. And so then your main income is coming from. So we've made payroll every week for the whole thing. So that's promising. <laughs> but I think that is though, especially for a food-based business, because it's like, I can't even imagine. And you yeah. guys are so intentional about all of your food sources which is amazing, but also then makes it more expensive. Oh, yeah. Which is, it is, yeah. Like, so it's an expensive service, but it's also such high quality stuff. Within, I'm like, how are you making money? So that, <laughs> and fortunately, it's just our business model. You know, we're in a business where people order food before we have to, um, fully make everything so that we know we don't have waste. Like we know exactly how much we need to make. We also, you know, with a lot of our employees hourly. So on a week where we're super, where we happen to be slow, then we don't have to pay for the labor for the whole time, you know? So it's, it, it, it's just the type of business that it is. And that's why I said some businesses will require capital to grow. You know, if you have an app you're building and it requires a bunch of technology and you're not a developer, then yeah, you're going to have to probably raise money and give some equity away. But that's that's probably the path for you. For us, it's just a little bit different and we're focusing a little bit on a slower growth. But I have an amazing team. And here's the thing. I'm about to leave for um, Asia for anywhere from one to three months in like two weeks, I think. I haven't booked my flight yet, but I'm just going to book a one-way. And people look at that and they're like, well, you have this business and you do these things and how can you just do that? And the truth is that I built my business and my life how I wanted to live. Yeah. And so I want. I knew that freedom is one of my core values. I want to be able to travel when I want to. When you 
created the Southern California, the real model mills as it is now, was that something you had in your mind that like, I want to be able to scale this so that this is not me? I don't want something that requires me to be there all the time. And I knew with my modeling career as well, I don't want to turn down that work. It's really lucrative and it allows me to have a platform. And and so I built it in a way that my contribution to it. And of course, in the beginning, you got to be there. You do everything. I delivered, I cooked, you do, I did customer service, I did social media. Which I think even because of, even without financial reasons, I think that that's just such a good way to know. So you know, really know your business inside and out. Exactly. And so of course, hands like in the beginning, I was so hands on. It was really hard. And it was a lot of juggling. But as we grew, and we brought on people and we could afford to pay people to play specific roles. Um, it allowed me that freedom that I intentionally had. So I always had the big picture. I always had the big picture. This is how I want my lifestyle to be. And so the beauty of the time that we live in now is that we can work. I mean, I can work. It doesn't me going to Asia for two months. I'm still on our weekly calls. I'm still answering emails. I'm still doing all the things I normally do. I'm just in a different location. You know, I have so many other questions, but let, I do want to talk about brunch series. Yeah. Because I know that that was hugely impactful for you and for the people that got to experience it. And also that was another thing that, right, that, oh, but you started it locally. Yeah. So what was, yeah, what got you to start it locally? My partner, Billy, is a chef. He's been a chef for 15 years. And I was using the self-care checklist at that point for, I guess, about three years or four years. And I really wanted to share it with people. I wanted to teach people the self-care checklist, but I knew it wasn't as simple as like a blog post because I didn't want people to use it in the wrong way. I didn't want people to think like this message that I was talking about earlier. I don't, I didn't want people to think that they had to have two hours to practice self-care or not do it at all. Or I didn't want it to be used as another tool of shame or another thing on a to-do list. I wanted to make sure it was used in an empowering way. So I felt like I wanted to teach it that way. And I wanted to bring together like-minded community because so many women were feeling lonely or were feeling like they weren't connecting. You know, as an adult, it's really hard to make friends. And so I thought, what if we had people over to the house and we did like a little brunch thing and Billy could cater and I could uh, put on like a seminar and and people can come over. And we, he was like, great. So I put something on Instagram like one does as I did with Model Meals and it sold out in four hours. I had nothing planned. I just, all I did was build how I could take money for tickets and had like a really rough, kind of a rough idea in my head of what I wanted it to be. Put it out on it. So it sold out in four hours or six hours. And we're like, wow, people are interested. My mom, of course, is like, you're going to invite a bunch of strangers well, to your I house. Was like, yeah, how did you feel? About Here's how I feel about that. If house. someone wants to kill me, they can find me and kill me. And I know that's kind of morbid, but that's the truth nowadays. Like if you really, if someone's really out to get me, me tagging my location somewhere isn't going to change that, I don't think. Um, maybe I will. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, but anyway, we did it. And so we added two more events that January. This is last January in 2018. We added two more events for January. And then February, we did kind of a different topic. We did like body positivity, food freedom. We'd had six events. March, we had five events around passion and purpose. And we, people were like flying in and driving in every month. And, and we saw a huge demand. And so Billy and I at the time had been super interested in a more minimalistic nomadic lifestyle. And we thought, let's do a tour. Let's take this thing on tour for a couple months. And I guess we'll just host it at other people's houses if they're interested. So, well, so we put something on Instagram again and said, you know, if you'd be interested in hosting one of these events at your home and it was free, they got t- tickets in exchange and, and they would be the host at their home and we would bring everything and they don't have to pay for anything, obviously. Um, 
And we asked people to submit a form, like this Google form. And we had 160 people submit their homes wanting to host one of our events. We're like, okay. So I plotted them all on a map and I looked at it and I like started putting dates to the cities and stuff and realized that if we were going to do it with any sense of self-care, it would have to be much longer. So it ended up being eight and a half months long. So as a result, and keep in mind, this is our tour left. We left for our tour on April 1st. This is, this is like, like, early March that I put this out there and decided we were going to go on tour. This is less than a month before we left for tour. And so we decided, well, if we're going to be gone for that long, I don't want to pay rent on our place. So we like basically told my landlord we were leaving at the end of my lease, got rid of everything. We like had a garage sale, donated half and, um, and got rid of like all our belongings, got one storage unit for some stuff. And, uh, and we hit the road and eventually we ended up, we were doing Airbnbs for a little bit and then decided to get a tour, a bus. It was pretty fast. I feel like that you got the RV. There's a lot of better planning that I could have done, (laughs) but yeah, but (laughs) there is a lot of better planning, but it's also like, Sometimes that, you know, like if you had really gotten into that nitty gritty, perhaps that would have stopped you from doing it or created other problems. Right. Yeah. So they started at Airbnbs, got an RV and your RV had so many. You were like at Camping World all the time. Well, here's the thing. Our art in total last year, we did 66 events. So if you think about and we set all of them up and broke all of them down. So this was not like we brought a crew. And, I had a couple event planners in it California. It wasn't just like she's showing up and like doing a This was a six hour event. Of me six leave. hour event. Yeah. You had like tables and chairs. He, Billy was cooking everywhere. There's cooking and going like you had a trailer full of stuff. Oh, it was full. We had swag bags for everyone. We had like it was it, it was, was a, a full thing. Yeah, it was a full on thing. Yeah. And deal. the only reason that I survived that tour is because I'm such I'm such a, a, a self-care junkie that I had to like up my game. I realized really early after eating like beignets and donuts in New Orleans, I was like, OK, this has got to change. I have to be like 100x my self-care to I make this work took better care of myself when i was on door now that i realized it. sometimes i catch myself thinking now remember those things that you used to like cake and eat and like whatever but but back then yeah now it's like oh my you're living on so little sleep and so much change and so much is happening and that the like i was like i have to do these things and now i forget about them because i'm i have more time or space yeah, or whatever totally. i don't even know but it's funny but we do more when we're busier I know. We you do know a lot that, more. like the what's that statement? Like, if you want something done, give it to the busiest person right. or whatever. But I'm I'm an I'm a, such a um, advocate for space and and non busyness. Like when I was Same. in that hamster wheel on the tour, my creativity was gone, and I really came home after those te- those nine months, and I uh, was burnt out, and I needed space, and it took a big toll on our relationship. And um, it's been the last six months since we've been back, or four months, or whatever it's been, have been challenging. Since you, so it's been four months now since we got you've been back, back on mid November. And so, was this the first time in your life, though, that you like really sort of burnt out in that way and yes, realized I probably. need time and space? And well, then did you question that, like needing the space? It was just a different kind of space. It was just a different kind of, um, I don't believe in introverts and extroverts. I believe we're all both. Um, That's another and- thing. Everybody's got these, I'm a this, that, do, blah, 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 And I'm like, <laughs> Which I understand. I do understand that taking some sort of quiz and whatever gives you some sort of information to understand yourself, but it's really, it's accepting yourself. And if so, taking that and if that label somehow allows you to accept yourself more then that's great. But then if you're like so clinging to that, whereas I'm like, I love people and I love being around people, but I also really need my time and space. I don't know what that means or what label that means for me, but like, that's just right. Like, yeah. And, and, and I think we, we all need all of that. 
Um, and for me, I just, you have to have that space. If there's any lesson that I've learned throughout my entire, this, like, especially last five years, personal journey is, um, that the answers are all inside of us and that oftentimes we don't create the space to listen. So we don't journal, we don't meditate, we don't get quiet, we don't spend time alone. And so what we do instead is we go out looking for everyone to give us answers about ourselves, whether it's a diagnosis or a title or whatever. I think it's a beautiful thing to seek inspiration and different perspectives outside of ourselves. Absolutely. I listen to podcasts. I do that stuff all the time, but we have to have a foundational agreement with ourselves that no matter what that tarot card reader says or that coach told you that you, the, the most important final decision comes from an intuitive feeling. And I've had to deal with that a lot. That's why I picked my keychain, fuck the shoulds, do the wants, because especially dealing you know, my partner is in recovery and there's a lot of people who have a lot of stigma around addiction and what that Mm. kind of person must be like Mm. and what that means. And for a long time on paper, it might've seemed like this isn't the person. And my heart was like, this is the person. And for, and I went back and forth because I listened to a lot of people's perspectives and opinions about the situation. I'm rolling my eyes. And, (laughs) and I, and I, and I finally came back to my heart and said, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, stop talking to a bunch of people about something that you can't articulate and follow your heart with this thing. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean I'm going to be right. Yeah. But it's what, what I feel what and right. and following what feels good and following what feels right to you is the best thing you can do and it goes the same way for food. I, people are like vegan or paleo or keto or whatever. Uh, yeah. Pay attention to how your body feels. There's not a right or wrong. That's the beauty of this world is like, it's, we're all different. How boring. I had an Uber driver in New Orleans say, how boring would it be if everyone was the same? And I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> no, but like, you know, but it was just one of those things. It was a perfect reminder of, of like, exactly. That's the contrast, the beauty yeah. that helps us grow and learn. And, you know, it's just going inward. I think, I think trusting ourselves and going inward and giving ourselves permission, whether it's to eat the food or take the vacation or turn down the project or skip the party. Yeah. And what I want to be clear on too, is that like that going inward and it, the listening to your intuition and stuff, it could sound like, so like, oh, that sounds easy. Like what I'm saying, it's fucking, it can be fucking hard. Like there's a lot of noise. I'm someone that's always been able to tune in into it, but it doesn't mean that it's like, oh, cool. Heard ya. Gonna take action. Like it's like a fighting for like, really? But I can I just believe this other information or that would be easier, yeah. right? Or that and like really trusting yourself and that my life has been guided by my intuition, but it's me fighting with it constantly. And that, but I have someone that has also taken space and I toured for years and you're gone for months and months at a time. You come home and like recover. And I always was someone, and I don't know again if it's because of like I had all the chronic pain and different stuff coming. Yeah. So I was really tuned into myself. So I was like, okay, I've just been touring, whatever. So now I'm going to come home and like just veg for yes. the weekend or whatever. That, that. But then when I was on really long tours, especially after I created the joyologist position, because yeah. that was a whole nother thing of like, I got to make sure my energy, my yeah. body, my mind is on. But also I am creating myself that I am in charge of someone else and making sure that they're their best selves. So that was so much. And so when those tours ended, yeah. like, yeah, one was like, I'm escaping to India. Another one, like um, my last tour that I ended, I was like, cool, I know that I'm moving to LA this time. I want to be in LA. And everybody's like, what are you going to do next? What job, whatever. And I was like, nothing. Like, and and that was a big thing for me to be like, I don't. And at that point, I had my website. I had done coaching on and off. That's what led me to creating the affirmation deck. That was what Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't fucking know what I want to do next. I know I could go get hired. Somebody's like, somebody somebody else can hire. You can do tour somebody else. You can work with somebody in LA. I know, I know, I know. And and I started to listen to those ideas, but I was just like, I know that I just need to just like take 
time off. So I like didn't work for maybe I don't I didn't even like work meaning like I had my website and stuff so maybe I blogged but I didn't yeah. do anything that brought me money like intention like for like they might have even been six months. I wanted to say three, but I think it was maybe six months. And that was because I had saved money from the tour. Smarter people would be like, this is my savings. I need to go get more money. And I was just like, I'm going to bleed that account dry. <laughs> I'm going to spend all that money taking yeah. care of myself and seeing what do I want to do next. And that's what ended up creating the Kickstarter campaign for the affirmation deck and yeah. creating the product line. But yeah, like that, it's just, and so many people, like that was a big thing and that I was so comfortable in my skin at that point. But so many other times I had taken months and breaks and off and like, I need downtime, I need downtime in the space. And like, once I realized that I needed to escape and go to India so that I didn't feel like I needed to not do, like, yeah. because that also was like, I don't want to go back to LA and people are going to be like, can you come to my show? Can you come to this? And right. I love those people, but I just knew I just like, I just want to like lay in bed and read a book yeah. Yeah. for like a month yeah. or two. And that I didn't feel comfortable saying that and saying no to people. Right. So I gave up my, everything in my life and yeah. flew to India. <laughs> I mean, girl, I, I'm about to do that. In a couple but then I came back. And then, but I came back and that made me use my voice more yeah. and be like, hey, I can't and I love you, but I'm not going because I have an obligation to myself or like whatever. It became like me being able to say no to amazing things, amazing people, because I, I just got to do my own yeah. thing right now. And that's okay. I get it, girl. I get it. <laughs> All right. There's a million other questions I wanted to ask you, but we're at the end, but I will just get to one was, yes, I had you pick the keychain, fuck the sh and you chose yeah, fuck the shoulds. The shoulds do the wants. I told you. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, there's so many shoulds out there and all I like, you just have to follow what feels good. Follow what sparks joy. If do if answering emails all day doesn't feel good to you, then stop answering emails all day. Figure out a way yes. that you don't have to. Um, something I thought of recently that I've been asking everybody, I had realized what is easiest for me is not always what is best for me. Can you think of something in your life right now where you're like, oh yeah, what's easiest for me is not what's best for me? Probably the, the freshest thing is just with my partner's recovery. That's, you know, we, we've had to really understand that if he doesn't have his recovery and his sobriety, we don't have a relationship. So it's really easy for me to be like, well, what about me? And I miss him and I want to spend time with him and I want to have sleepovers and live together again and all these sorts of things. But, and, and it's easier, right? It's easier for me to go to him, to like go back to our, how we were and whatever, but it's not the best thing for us. And so it sucks right now. It really does. But, um, but it's the right thing. And we're building something that's long-term and we're putting in the work now. We're both, it's not just him. And I'm really happy that I'm like this whole time, like, so does this mean you and Billy are back together? Oh my God. It's, that's a whole nother episode, but <laughs> you're exploring. But we're just not living so publicly right now because yeah. I want to be really, uh, I want to be really, um, he didn't ask for to live in the public eye. He got a little dragged into it. Not that I'm some big famous person, but obviously I live, you know, I live publicly through my social media and, and whatnot. You share a lot. And, and um, yeah, and I, and I just want to be really, I want to make sure that I always share what's mine to share and not, you know, I, I, yeah. he, open, he speaks about his recovery or else I wouldn't speak about it here. But, um, but it's, a, it, it's just something that we want to navigate together. And we'll share eventually yeah, when we're I'm ready. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really, I'm like, it was just sort of, you kept bringing it up. So I'm like, I'm cool with he's you amazing. not talking about He's amazing. He's an amazing yeah, person. Yeah, he's a great guy. Okay. The working title for this podcast is Claim It, meaning like it's up to us yeah. to claim whatever it is we want for ourselves, to claim our joy, to claim our dreams, to claim our vision, to claim our peace. What are you claiming for yourself right now? 
I'm claiming, uh, for the last few months I've felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing and hamster wheeling and achieving and doing events and all this sort of stuff. I've intentionally like said no to pretty much everything. Thanks for saying yes to me. In my head, of course, in my head, it's, it's very easy for me to go to this space of I'm not doing, I'm not doing where actually this is one of the biggest growth periods of my life because of the emotional growth that's happening through the mirror of Billy and I through our relationship and our the introversion and the space and the slowness and the all of that sort of stuff and the permission to just be and read a book and do a puzzle and all those yes. sorts of things. So, so right now is a huge growth period, but it's an introverted one and I'm not feeling called to share much on social media and all that stuff. And I'm um, and for me, it's claiming that space and like, that's yeah. okay. Yes, it's so okay. And I heard you say like, permission, I think in a lot for me, that was in that because you chose the fuck the shoulds to the ones when I had my aha, like I'm not saying should again, ever again. And what came for me is that the word that replaced it most of the time, like when I was about to say should was want, what should I do today? What do I want to do? And then from that, I started to all of a sudden be like, Oh, I'm allowed. I'm allowed to Mm -hmm. say no. I'm allowed to just read a book today. That's how I feel around food. I'm allowed to eat. Like I'm allowed to just eat this. And that it was just like, Oh, wow. And so it is like, yeah, you're just like giving yourself this permission. And I, yeah, back to foods and she's like, I am in that space now yeah. where it's like, I went to the whole like, I'm allowed to eat everything and I did. And now I'm like, I am someone that lives in that, that like you yeah. think that can't be true. Like they just eat whatever. Like I'm not a stick, but I'm so happy and comfortable and confident in my body. And after this, I'm going to go to sidecar and get some donuts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's also in that allowing I'm allowed to eat this. And it's not like, let me shove this down my throat. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm allowed. Fuck you. It's like this and cherish it. And yeah. And then pay attention to how how I feel. And then next time say, is it worth it? And sometimes it is. And sometimes it isn't. Exactly. And so like, yeah, it's just so much. Yay for space. Yay Yay for for claiming it. I like that title. Claim the space. Claim it. Working title. I know it's funny. I'm doing the podcast and I'm saying <laughs> that in the interviews. This is the working title. That might not even end up being the podcast title, but hey, this, I'll ask you this question. Whoever's listening, you know the answer to that. And whoever's listening to this, yeah, hopefully gotten from both of us. If you want to do something, just fucking do it. Yep, exactly. You don't need a podcast exactly. name. You don't theme. need money. It's totally you the don't theme. Need the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need the RV, the tour bus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I realized after the fact that I forgot to ask Danica one of the questions I'm asking everybody I have a conversation with for this podcast. (laughs) But maybe that is something I can ask everyone in my life every time I have a conversation about is what is a go-to to raise your joy levels? And she emailed me back. Her go-tos are taking a walk practicing affirmations or manifestation exercises, which is um, some of the things we talked about, about like the dear future self thing and choosing a different feeling and reminding myself that I have the freedom to do that. How cool is that? So if you're in a funk, if you're in a place of feeling something that, you know, you're feeling an energy you don't want to, then realizing, hmm, I'm feeling heaviness. I don't want to feel this. Let me choose a different feeling. So that's an interesting thing. You can find full show notes for things that we mentioned and more about Danica at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. For more me, everything me, you can go to yourjoyologist.com. I'm at yourjoyologist on Instagram. 
You can learn more about Danica at Danica Brysha, which is B-R-Y-S-H-A.com. Her amazing meal company, modelmeals.com. And I can have a link on my show notes website to get $25 off your first order. Right now, I think they're only in Southern California and Arizona, but they're expanding and they are so freaking good. I'm about to order some right now. And so time-saving. They don't have to think about grocery shopping. What are you going to eat? I don't know. Perfect. And oh, on Instagram, you can find her at Danica Brysha. Please rate, subscribe. And if you subscribe and uh, leave a review for the podcast, you can screenshot it, email it to me at yourdryologist at yourdryologist.com. And each week I'm picking an awesome person that left a review to win a box full of goodies from my affirmation-based product line. That's right. You can go to my shop, get affirmation deck, pick a keychain, like I'm having every one of my guests pick a keychain, mugs, journals, magnets, all sorts of good stuff to inspire you and empower you. And yeah, I've got to leave you again with this final thought. What are you choosing to claim for yourself right here, right now? Have an awesome rest of your day. And also remember to own your awesome. Own who you are fully, okay? Who you are is amazing, is perfect, is necessary. Claim that.